John chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Well, thank you so much for reading for us, Andy. Um, please keep that scripture passage open. We're going to be uh, diving into that together. And there's some space for notes um, in the bulletin there on page four as well, if you are a, a note taker. But uh, before we uh, look at this passage together, let's ask for the Lord to help us, shall we? Let's pray. Um, Father God, we thank you so much for, uh, for these uh, awesome and powerful words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you that in him you have given us everything that we need, that he is the bread of life. And thank you for this promise that if we, uh, if we come to him, we'll never hunger. If we believe in him, we'll never thirst. And so, Lord, we pray that even today you would feed us through him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I first moved uh, over here from England, I have to say I experienced a bit of culture shock. Um, and I think I may already have told you, one of the places I experienced that most was in the cereal aisle at the grocery store. I was just overwhelmed by the choices. Quite frankly, it was crippling. Now, the same thing was true when I first went to a diner. And so if you, you know, grew up in any other country, you'll know these things are kind of an American deal. Um, I was given the menu, but it, I have to say it looked more to me like a catalog. Uh, not only was the thing vast, it was filled with things that I have never heard of, like what is a Western omelette? And certainly what on earth are cheese blintzes? That one is still a bit of a mystery. 
Anyway, about half an hour after perusing that menu, I finally made up my mind. Um, you can't go wrong with eggs, can you? So I ordered eggs and bacon. And of course, even then, my choices were not over. Uh, white, wheat, or rye. Uh, how do you want your eggs? I have to say, I didn't really even understand the questions. Uh, what, I'm what I was experiencing is what a friend uh, described to me once as choice fatigue. Choice fatigue. Uh, with so many decisions to make, my mind just kind of became exhausted. Uh, and in one sense, that can be a picture of life itself. It's not just kind of culture shock. It's how life is in the world. Uh, there are so many options, so many choices to make. And I'm not just talking about the minor decisions of, of what we eat for dinner. I'm talking about the big stuff as well. Uh, when it comes to our goals, our direction in life, there is a catalog of options. There's a whole menu of different relationships, different career paths, uh, different lifestyles or worldviews. Why are you here? What do you really want? What are you living for? Uh, they're such important questions. If you're younger, uh, these questions can plague you in terms of which college you go to and, and what you study when you get there. If you're older, you might be looking towards retirement, or, or you might be looking back and wondering, did, did you go the right way? Did you make the right choices? You might be looking at friends or neighbors or someone across the room and experiencing uh, a bit of order envy. Or order envy, that's what happens when you order the salad and the person you're with orders the steak. Uh, the point is, with so many big decisions about how to live life, we can feel crippled, or crippled by indecision or, or second-guess the choices that we've made. Well, if that resonates with you at all, uh, then John 6 should help. Uh, faced with uh, the menu options in life, Jesus here is helping us order with confidence. Uh, he's helping to free us from either choice fatigue on the one hand or order envy on the other. Uh, he does this by making clear how we should live our lives. Uh, he wants us to follow him. And to convince us of that, he wants us to understand a contrast. A contrast between what he has to offer and everything else. And we see that contrast especially laid out in verse 27. So take a look down at John chapter 6, verse 27. It's such a powerful statement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. And now in this verse and in the passage as a whole, we see two contrasts. There are contrasts between uh, the what, but also a contrast between the how. Uh, the first relates to the outcome, and the second to the method. Uh, firstly, the contrast is between two types of food. There is food that perishes, and there is food that endures. Uh, but secondly, there's another contrast. A contrast in terms of how we obtain that food. Uh, we obtain it either by working or by receiving it as a gift. Uh, and it's on these two contrasts that I want to focus in the next few moments. Uh, the first is a contrast between fast food and God's forever feast. A contrast between fast food and God's forever feast. And then secondly, the contrast between these two things. There's a contrast between toil and trusting. A contrast between toil and trusting. Uh, one of these two types of food takes a lot of work, uh, and the other uh, is received freely. Uh, and in case you're wondering about the big point, here it is. Uh, don't waste your life toiling for fast food. Instead, trust in Christ alone uh, to enjoy God's forever feast. Don't waste your life toiling for fast food. Uh, instead, trust in Christ alone and enjoy God's forever feast. 
Uh, that's the big point, but let's dive in. Let's think about this first contrast. The contrast between fast food and the forever feast. Uh, don't work for food that perishes, says the Lord Jesus, but for food that endures. Now, what does Jesus mean by this? Uh, when Sherilyn and I were uh, in seminary, we used to live right across the road from Burger King. Uh, now, whenever we'd had a long day or perhaps we'd come back from a long trip, we were tempted. Uh, instead of dinner, why don't we just get a burger instead? Now, I know this is going to be a very controversial point, but uh, there are two types of people. Some people love Burger King. Some are loyal to McDonald's. And let's just say we never had a particularly good experience of Burger King. Just to nail my colors to the mast there. Uh, but now and again, we'd give in, we'd decide to go. And then 30 minutes later, if even it took that long, 30 minutes later, we would regret it. Uh, we'd start to feel uncomfortable. And of course, our, our stomachs were growling. We were still hungry as well. Well, whether you prefer a Whopper or a Big Mac is not the point. But the point is, we all know the difference between fast food and a real sit-down dinner. Uh, and this really is the contrast Jesus is making here. The contrast between what these crowds are seeking and what he has to offer them. Uh, to give the context here, he's addressing a crowd who's seen some pretty amazing things. Uh, Jesus has just fed over 5,000 people, over 5, people sorry, with, with just a, a few loaves and a few fish. And understandably, this crowd have, have come back. I mean, what on earth is Jesus going to do next? Uh, but what Jesus draws out from them is, is this. Uh, they may be coming to him, yes, but, but what are they seeking? Well, they're seeking the wrong thing. All they're concerned about are their, their obvious outward needs. I mean, that comes out later, doesn't it? When, when they seem to ask Jesus to do a sign again. I mean, what sign are you going to do? He's just done a pretty amazing thing. It's like they want some more bread. In fact, Jesus says this in verse 26. Take a look. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now, the church lunch was great, so why not go back next week? But it wasn't about the food. It was never about the food. That miracle of Jesus Christ was a sign. It pointed towards something else. I mean, imagine a sign. It has an arrow that says, free a million dollars this way. And you stand below the sign and you think, wow, this is, this is an incredible piece of art. I mean, look at the colors. Look at that amazing penmanship. I've never needed a sign making so far, but if I do, I'm going to look at, at who painted this. And that's what the crowds appear to be doing. They see the feeding of the 5,000 and they think, look, with this guy around, we could certainly reduce the grocery budget, couldn't we? And listen, we can easily make the same mistake. And we can read about these miracles, these signs, and, and fail to take to heart the point that they make. Like this crowd, we're busy going about our days seeking for what we think will help. But Jesus drives us to consider this. What are we working for? What are we seeking in life? It's such a big question, and, and maybe it's a question you've never asked of yourself. But this is really the question Jesus drives us to consider. Uh, are we seeking things that last? Is what we're seeking in life more like a trip to Burger King or more like a real dinner? Uh, are these things going to satisfy us? And if so, for how long? Uh, will these things leave us heavy and hungry 30 minutes later? In fact, I wrote out a list earlier this week of, of things that people tend to seek in life. Uh, let me read this list to you. And, and certainly, I'm sure you could add a lot more things. Uh, what are the kind of things we pursue? Well, we pursue money. We pursue pleasure. 
that we pursue success. We pursue praise. We pursue, we pursue approval. Uh, maybe the appro- approval of your parents or, or the approval of your peers. Uh, we seek career advancement. And if not that, we seek experiences, perhaps through travel. Uh, we seek beauty, uh, maybe especially the beauty of youth. I mean, think about the money our society spends on, on all its anti-aging surgery. Uh, we see that it's food that is lasting. Uh, it's food that endures. I mean, from what Jesus goes on to say, it's food that no one can take away from you. I mean, there in verse 37, Jesus says that he will never cast away those that come to him. In verse 39, he says that he is committed to never losing uh, any one of his followers. Uh, This is one of the main things that sets the Lord Jesus Christ apart. Uh, What he has to give us is something that will never, ever, ever be taken away from us. It is food that endures. It endures to eternal life. I mean, just recently, we've been reading uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in our house. We even watched that uh, 1970s movie with uh, Gene Wilder as uh, Willy Wonka. It's a very strange film. And for some reason, I can't stop thinking about the everlasting gobstopper, uh, as if that might make this point. It's a trite illustration, but but the point is this. What Jesus gives us lasts. It doesn't wear out. It will never wear down at all. Jesus promises eternal life. And this brings us to another thing we learn about this enduring food that Christ gives us. It is lasting, but it's also life-giving as well. I mean, Jesus calls it the bread of life. This is bread that is satisfying. As Jesus says in verse 25, whoever comes to him shall never be hungry. Whoever believes in him will never thirst. How different this is from everything else we live our lives for. Uh, How different it is from everything else that we might seek. All of those things often leave us with uh, with a sense of of longing, even a sense of regret. And Jesus promises life everlasting. Life that is is life. Think about the hours you put in at the office. Time and energy that you have to invest. All for something that really won't last. And by contrast, the true food, the lasting food, well, well, that is no toil at all. That forever food is a gift. And this contrast comes out in that very statement in verse 27. There is an imbalance here. I mean, listen carefully to what Jesus says. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, if that is all that Jesus Christ had said, we might think the path to these two types of food are the same. Work for this fast food. Or instead, work for lasting food instead. But notice what Jesus adds. It's so important. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And as the conversation continues, Jesus spells this out even further. I mean, they ask the obvious question, don't they? How do we work for this enduring food? And Jesus gives the answer there in verse 28. Basically, it's this. You don't have to work. This is something God does for you. All God asks is that you believe, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. I mean, you even see this in the way the passage starts. The crowds are there toiling, they're scrambling, looking around for boats just to get a little bit more bread from Jesus. And so we're encouraged to see not just two kinds of food, but two ways. Toiling for fast food or or trusting for forever food. And as I was thinking about how to communicate this, I read something earlier this week that, at least for me, really helped. It was from a book called Biblical Critical Theory by Christopher Watkin. Uh, For those of you who immediately uh, kind of uh, start to twitch at the mention of critical theory, I should say this book is not woke. 
Instead, the book traces the whole storyline of the Bible. And it's an incredible book because it, it does so in the form of a cultural critique. And in one chapter, the author uh, talks about two competing approaches to religion, or we could say two competing approaches to life. Uh, he calls them the N-shaped dynamic and the U-shaped dynamic. Uh, the N-shaped dynamic, what does he mean by that? Well, well, that's what I mean by toil. It has an N-shape. Uh, that is what it seeks to do. It, it tries to reach up to God and through, through some sort of means, religion or works, it tries to bring God's blessing down to me. But basically, this is the approach to life. You get out what you put in. Work hard. Be diligent. It will pay off in the end. It could be sacrifices to the gods or it could be contributions to your IRA. Uh, the point is you do the work. If you don't do the work, you cannot expect anything. Uh, and listen, in one sense, that's the way everything in the world works, isn't it? I mean, this is the path to success. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much true of every single thing we, ex we might seek. Uh, I mean, think of two extremes. They are extremes. On the one hand, you have the, uh, the successful person, the, let's say the, the, the middle-class version of retirement, uh, working extra hours, driving yourself to an early grave just to stock up on the 401k. That's your one option. On the other hand, you have an addict seeking satisfaction through, through alcohol or drugs or something else. Uh, both groups of people there are toiling. Both things are actually an awful lot of work. I was recently reading a book that helped me spell this out. Um, it was uh, called Kasher in the Rye, not Catcher, but Kasher. It's actually a biography of the stand-up comedian, uh, Moshe Kasher. He tells of how in his early teens he got hooked on alcohol and, and then on drugs. He tells of how his life became a, a very huge mess. And yet sustaining that mess was a lot of, lot of work. All of the late nights, all of the lying, all of the stealing. In fact, sustaining his addiction seemed to be far more work than, than any one of us would, would complete from day to day. Uh, that is one of the reasons a good analogy for addiction is slavery. Uh, yes, uh, it, it kind of holds us, but also addiction is a slave driver as well. Uh, and listen, so is uh, making your goal in life to fill, your, fill up your 401k. In fact, these two things might seem like polar opposite paths in life, but according to Jesus, in one sense, they're very much the same. Both are working for bread that perishes. Both involve a lot of toil, a lot of effort to sustain them. Both lead to the same place. Place, sorry. Both lead to the same place. Both, both lead to the grave. One of those two things may get you there faster, but I suppose we could ask, so what? Both involve spending your life on the treadmill. Both lead to the same place, to the same ultimate destination. Which is why Jesus warns us, don't waste your life on this. Uh, don't spend your life toiling over fast food, food that will fail you in the end. Instead, says Jesus Christ, reject this N-shaped dynamic, if you get what I'm saying there. Uh, reject a worldview in which you, you're constantly straining up to God to bring his blessings on you. And instead, embrace a U-shaped dynamic, a, a life that goes the other way. Uh, well, what is this U-shaped dynamic? Well, it's exactly what Jesus describes in this text. It isn't about us reaching up to God to bring his blessings down. No, in fact, it doesn't start with us at all. It begins with God coming down to us through Jesus Christ. It's about him in his free grace, apart from anything we've done, deciding to show us his blessings and to do so freely. I look at verse 32. 
Uh, Truly I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Uh, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I mean, is that not the true wonder of Christianity? Not only does Jesus offer us something eternal, something lasting, uh, something far greater than everything else, Uh, But Jesus tells us that to obtain this is really the very simplest of things. While everyone else, everything else demands toil, work, labor, what is Jesus looking for? Uh, What is is he looking for? What do we need to do to obtain this lasting, satisfying, eternal bread? Well, it is as simple as this. All we have to do is trust in him. This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom God has sent. You see, Christianity isn't about us seeking God. It's actually about God seeking you. It's about the fact that while you were busy toiling away, living a life uh, your own way, killing yourself for things that don't last, God in his love came to the rescue. It's about a God who comes to us and says, look, stop killing yourself for this. This is something that's going to lead you nowhere. And instead, come to me. In fact, it's about a God who is willing to kill himself for you. This is the U-shaped dynamic, uh, that God has come to save us and to bless us, not because of anything we have done for him, but what he has done for us. And the fact that we worship God is really just a response. It is just our response to his amazing mercy. And so can you see how surprising this is, really how backward it is? On the one hand, you have the option of toiling away for food that perishes, food that will leave you hungry. Or on the other hand, you you simply have to trust in Jesus Christ uh, and you will know true, satisfying food that lasts for eternity. And we have to ask ourselves, is that really a choice at all? Do we really have to weigh the option between those two things? Isn't the reasonable choice obvious from the words Jesus says? Do not labor for bread that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man will give you. And yet, even as Christians, this can be hard, can't it? We always need reminding of this again and again. In one sense, this is the problem. We, we have to labor not to labor, don't we? We have to labor to accept salvation as a gift. But we have to work not to work. In other words, we have to strive to believe that salvation doesn't come because of anything we do. There is something deep within us that recoils at this. The idea that the very best things in life are not things we can earn for ourselves. And to accept this is deeply humbling. I mean, imagine to have toiled for years and to admit that we were wrong, that we're wasting our time. It doesn't come easily, does it? And yet it's such a freeing thing, such an amazing thing, to embrace the fact that God in Christ has done everything for you. Don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, that Jesus, the Son of Man, will give you. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you so much that in Jesus Christ, you have given us what we truly need and what will last forever, and you've given it to us freely as a gift. And Lord, I pray that even as we come to your table, that you'd help us to understand what this means, that you are the God who feeds us, who gives us what we need, that you've done everything for us in the Lord Jesus. Lord, no matter where each one of us is at in life, whether we're young, whether we're, we're old, whether we're somewhere in between, Lord, help us, help us to get our priorities straight. Help us to see what truly matters. Lord, cause us 
to seek after the Lord Jesus Christ. Give to us this eternal bread, and we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.